Hey guys, before we get started today, wanted to remind you that the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny is fueled by Gatorade. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. Also, 30 for 30 podcasts and the undefeated present The King of Crenshaw. This four-part series examines how Nipsey Hussle's life, death, and legacy impacted the sports world, especially the NBA. Here, DeMar DeRozan, Isaiah Thomas, and DeMarcus Cousins, amongst others, explore the realities of life as a black man in America. Nipsey's dedication to South LA and his community and how he inspired millions. The marathon continues. The King of Crenshaw. Listen now on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts hears Tristan worse and thinks someone is barking. Get it like, whoops, whoops. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. <laughs> oh, I knew I'd get you with that, Dominique. I knew I'd get you. That's Dominique Fox. And he is excited because the NFL season is finally here. He had some coffee to prepare for this podcast. I'm oh. told he turned down other podcast invitations. To be here with me in week one. <laughs> Dominique, welcome back. I did not turn. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't turn down other podcasts. I told them I'm doing Mina's podcast. Mm. So if you think this is some sort of week one surprise, you will be mistaken because, or week one treat, you'll be mistaken because Mina Kimes gets the most coveted podcast guest of all times, week one and only Mina Kimes. Wait, so you are doing the other part? Anyway, we don't need to get into it. We'll talk about I'm not. I'm not. Okay, okay. so this is an exclusive. You're an exclusive. All right, I like that. Um, I'm so excited. Like, we were texting about these games, trying to choose which ones we wanted to talk about, and there are actually, like, a number of really good games week one. Generally, um, I'm excited for the season, which I I like. Yeah. Like, more than normal. I don't know if it was just because last year was so different or what, but it feels like it might have been because I think we had – two basketball seasons yes uh and so it felt like football was gone for longer than it actually was but i'm really looking forward to it i also think like the influx of rookie quarterbacks all of whom looked promising in the preseason right. adds an element of exciting because they're teams that we otherwise wouldn't be like that thrilled to watch right um yeah. i so a bit of housekeeping before we get started um as Every week during the regular season, going to be previewing some of the games that I find interesting. However, while this is coming out earlier in the week, my schedule is changing um, because of my travel and a bunch of boring things that you guys don't need to hear about. So instead of coming out on Wednesday mornings, the preview pods, the weekly pods are going to come out later in the day on Wednesday, um, at least until I find out that I can't, I don't know. That's the plan right now. So I just wanted to let everyone know so that next week they're not surprised when Wednesday morning they open their podcast app and the Mini Time show isn't there until later in the day. All right. That said, this is early in the week for us to talk about the very first game of the NFL season. I, I actually think this is the least interesting game of the ones I selected. Um, and I, mean, I think it's going to be the least competitive for sure. Is it? How, is it? Uh, let me. Well, I guess let me look uh, at the ones. Look down this list again. Well, okay, no, no. Let's uh, just talk about. Okay, so we're talking about Cowboys, Bucks, Bucks, Cowboys. Um, I can't believe Cowboys this Bucks. much of my this level of excitement for me is swinging on 
Zach Martin's availability. But is that like an insane over? Because I thought the Bucks yes. were going to win, but I at least thought the Cowboys' offense versus the Bucks' defense was going to be like a scintillating matchup. Um, you know, one of the five best offenses in the NFL potentially against one of the five best defenses in the NFL. And I don't think the Cowboys losing Zach Martin is a like a deal breaker. But because the Bucks' defense is so good in the particular ways in which they're good. I, I, it's just, uh, that it is, really, it, I mean, it, 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 you know, it harshes my in, buzz. You're in mid-season football hipster form <laughs> when you say that you lose excitement for a game because of an injured guard. Quite possibly the best guard in the league. I get it. Yes. And their line, I've seen the numbers of their line with him and without him. Like, I get how important he is. But your excitement for the game is not hinging on whether a guard can get out of the COVID so, protocol or not. Yeah, I want to. I actually want to dip into that for a second because we, Dominique and I were recording this on Tuesday morning. So Zach Martin's status—it's it, a little confusing people because the vaccination stuff. Like he is, the Cowboys have said he's vaccinated. So my first reaction was, well, if you're vaccinated, can't you get in immediately and with two negative tests in 24 hours? But apparently he's like symptomatic as well as being positive which is why they think he's unlikely to get back in quickly. Like if he was asymptomatic, I think right. he could get back in the game quickly and maybe he will be, maybe he will get two negative tests. I don't know. But right now it's looking like Connor McGovern, who is, you know, an, a guy who was actually played in NFL games. Um, but like, let's just zero in on that matchup, Dominique. Like they're fine at the tackle position. Lyle Collins right. is playing. He had like a stinger, but we're talking mm -hmm. about, an interior line with, um, you know, the two Connors and then Tyler Biotish versus Vita Vea, Nadabakisu, <laughs> and you know it's Todd Bowles, so Shaq and JPP are going to be looping inside and wrecking havoc. Like, it's just not the best setup for Dak to yeah. make his way back. It's a tough setup for Dak to return, especially considering that he didn't play most of last year, and then for whatever was going on with his shoulder, he didn't practice much this season. So, I mean, there's reason to believe that he might be a little bit slow out of the gate, uh, but then you put on top of it that – he's going to be getting pressure in his face most likely because those guys, they're not going to be able to pick up <laughs> any pressures or they're not going to be able to protect him the entire game. Even if they have the best game of their lives, there's going to be pressure on key downs and that's tough for Dak. His athleticism is part of his game, but he's never been like the super explosive athlete and coming off of a broken uh, leg, I guess it was our ankle. Uh, you suspect that that will not be one of the first things to come back. So I, I get where you're coming from and kind of tempering your excitement for this game because of the guard play. But still, we still got a lot of big name guys on the edge, the positions that uh, people care about, frankly, uh, on the on the Cowboys and on the Bucks. So the game's still going to be exciting. The best matchup in this game, the case for Dallas being competitive, was their 1A, 1B, 1C wide receiver group versus a Bucks secondary that is not perfect, you know? So first of all, Jordan Whitehead is not, I don't think he's playing, um, again, recording earlier or whatever, but looks like he, he's, he had surgery after the Super Bowl and is kind of working his way back. But I think they're going to get either Mike Edwards or Ross Cockrell. Um, I've mentioned, I think I mentioned on this show, like I think if I was... Dallas, I'd find a way to pick on Sean Murphy bunting with CeeDee Lamb. Like, the Cowboys' three receivers and their tight end group, like, there, there's definitely hay to be made. I think it's just the question of, okay, well, what can you do to mitigate the issue in the trenches? And also, I, from Todd Bowles' perspective, Dominic, I wanted to ask you, like, given that potential advantage, 
like the Bucks defense are interesting because they they win all kinds of ways, man, zone, blitzing, non-blitzing. How would you approach playing this Dallas team? Yeah, I'd approach it similarly to the way they did the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, yeah it's, don't give it the big play. That would be my concern. It's like, don't give it the big play, force uh, Dak to hold the ball, hold onto the ball for as long as possible and let your D-line eat. And uh, the athletic or the more athletic quarterbacks do tend to hold onto the ball a bit longer. And Dak falls into that category as someone who can be uh, – can find himself a little too comfortable in the pocket and relying on being able to buy himself time and putting his tackles and in this case guards and center in some tough situations. So I'd be hesitant to blitz. Dak is awesome against the blitz. Dak frankly is, is pretty good against all things. I'm working on the thing that I'm writing before the game, uh, comparing Dak and, and some other quarterback that I'm sure is going to make everybody angry, but it just, kind of reaffirmed my appreciation for how good Dak has been, especially in some tough situations. So this might be one of the toughest situations he's faced. Yeah, he's uh, since 2019, 7th in QBR against the Blitz, 4th in yards per attempt, all, all good things. Um, and the thing about the Cowboys' offense is, like, I think people say, well, it was just you know, four games last year. Not, like, they've been awesome for now for two years with Dak yeah. when he's healthy. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. um, like, I'll be curious to see – as you kind of mentioned, I'm not worried about his arm. I do want to see how he looks on the move because obviously we just haven't seen it, you know? Um, the and why aren't you worried about the arm? Like, well, everyone said it's not a big deal. Stefania Bell's okay. been saying downplaying it, and I always trust gotcha. her. Yeah, no, that's, totally. a, that's, a, that's fair. I guess I just – the idea that they were consulting baseball people about what to do with his shoulder mm. and he didn't throw at all in the preseason – like that that just scared me. I maybe they're just being extra smart and extra cautious, but it made me nervous. But if Stefania said it, I trust her. <laughs> well, so our colleague our colleagues Dan Orlowski and Marcus Spears were fighting on get up about whether the Cowboys should run the ball. I think you can guess which side of the equation both of those parties fell on. I assume <laughs> you're on my side in this game, which is they're not gonna get anywhere running yeah. Ezekiel Elliott behind that off like those guards uh against yeah. this particular defensive line yeah i mean i'm generally uh i'm in favor of doing what works <laughs> yes. and in that situation the cowboys what works for the cowboys has been throwing the ball ezekiel elliott has great talent and has had some great games, but this offense transitioned away from him quite some time ago into Dak being the centerpiece and <laughs> Dak throwing the ball is much more potent and scary. I promise you Todd Bowles and the Tampa Bay Bucks are hoping that on first down they run the ball and they're not doing play action or a quick game like that is what they would prefer to have those linebackers <laughs> in that D line coming downhill at Ezekiel Elliott, as good as he may or as good a shape as he may have gotten his back, himself back into, like that's not intimidating in the way that, that Dak and those receivers are. So is there any, you know where I'm going with this, any hope for Dallas on the other side of the ball? Like what is the <laughs> so best it's not possible outcome? It's not college. So like, there, you know, so like, this isn't this even, isn't because I, I was thinking this was like pretty like Bama Miami might be there's like no. a comp to be made. I no, I think it's no. gonna be ugly, dude. 
I think I think it could be bad, but NFL bad is not 30 points. Like that's the hope is that you keep it close and there are some turnovers here and there. And then there's always the hope that eventually Father Time actually wins and maybe Tom Brady shows up and he's not the guy that he once was. But I mean, as I'm sure you've heard plenty of times during the Super Bowl and playoff run, it's not as if that offense and Tom Brady in particular was just running people out of, off the field like they were struggling the defense was really the special part so if that Tampa excuse me if that um Dallas offense is able to move the ball and score points against the um Tampa defense which we're not sure that they can and the the Cowboys defense has gotten better which they got slightly better towards the end of last year and it's not that they aren't without talent that's another thing about the Cowboys is their defense was really bad last year for things that you because of reasons that you feel like can be correctable like they weren't just again it's not college like they weren't Mm. just like outmatched talent wise completely they had some holes but most teams have holes they just were like bad (laughs) and so if they could get uh dan quinn in there and they cannot be so bad like they have two good ends that rush they they brought in malik hooker to play uh, safety in their linebacking core is arguably one of the most talented in the league. Unfortunately, that linebacker unit is probably the least coveted unit on defense, but that is where all their talent is. So if they can find a way to allow those guys to be great and take pressure off the rest of the guys and maybe slow down this Tampa offense, there might be a chance, but I wouldn't bet anything on it. That was a good effort. I tried. I, uh, I did the best yeah, I could. Yeah, you did try. Yeah. Um, the two best players on this defense are Demarcus Lawrence and I already think Michael Parsons. I, I maybe I'm over. <laughs> I'm definitely overreacting to the preseason, but that dude yeah. looked like electric. Right? Problem is, yeah. as you mentioned, he's an off-ball linebacker. What I'm interested in in seeing is what Dan Quinn does to leverage his two best players, um, right. who yeah. I just named, in, in particular. Parsons, because there's like assumption that it's Dan Quinn, it's going to be the traditional Seattle cover three, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, dude, you better blitz the hell out of Micah Parsons. Like, he better be, he is your most interesting chess piece on defense. And if he's not using him as such and blitzing him and occasionally dropping him in cover, like, like the the traditional cover three is gone though like yes we all say it but like no one actually runs it the way that seattle did where they like actually play cover three every single down of the game Fair. and like that's so they do they are diverse it's, it kind of reminds me when people talk about how these offenses today are all from the the shanahan tree like the mike shanahan tree like yeah, I guess the concepts are, but we aren't running zone zone cutback and boot every down either. So, like, this is a more developed defense than that. The scary thing, I think, is when they play man-to-man. Because in the modern NFL, you have to play man-to-man sometimes. I guess, like, the Colts are the only good defense that I can think of that plays very, very little man-to-man. That's the scary part for me with that defense. And the kind of go back to the other point that I was making about the linebackers, like, it's great to have great linebackers. But it requires a level of creativity to to kind of showcase yeah. your linebackers in modern football. Back when people ran the ball on first and second down all the time, hey, Ray Lewis coming downhill was a problem. But now 
they either scheme you off the field, they personnel you off the field, or they just put you in isolation situations. And and even the best linebackers in the league, they aren't best at like playing in space. Just their bodies aren't built for that. So I, I don't know how Dan Quinn's going to do it. If I did, then maybe we wouldn't be talking. Maybe I'd be in a meeting room right now if I knew how <laughs> to properly showcase linebackers. Because I don't, I mean, you can blitz them, I guess, but to me, that doesn't feel like the same way. If you have like a great shutdown corner, it's easy, right? <laughs> Put them on a receiver, and well, then I, that frees up so much more of your your defense I think to do other things. Devin White on the other side of the ball is like a pretty good um, right. case study, but he also gets fun. to play next yeah. to Levante David and uh, <laughs> in front and behind yeah. this, you know, world beaters on the defensive line. But your point about man is the really like where this just turns into a living nightmare for the bucks because outside of Trayvon Diggs, I, uh, you said a living nightmare for the bucks. You meant the Cowboys. Pardon me. The Cowboys. (laughs) I, okay. I, I, I posted that Dallas ranked second or no worse in the NFL versus number two wide receivers last year in DVOA. And then I just posted the bucks receiving core and a Dallas fan wrote back to me, yo, but that was last year. Honey, Ooh. honey, look at your death chart now. Like, it's not better. It's just, I don't, like, I even like if. It. I like that, honey. You should have just, 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 just responded with honey. Honey, oh, honey. Even if Trayvon digs in, you know, oh, Lord have mercy, somehow manages to handle, I don't know, one of the. Pick one. I guess Evans is who they're going to put. Sure. Go ahead. I Good don't luck. know. If, I don't if know. If Trayvon Diggs shut down, shuts down Evans, okay. then what you going to do with the other two, yeah. three, four guys if we're counting O.J. Howard? Four? That's a, not this. Okay. I mean, just Ev, I'm doing the Stephen A. Smith thing where you just list guys on the roster. <laughs> Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, who's probably the number one receiver on many teams in the NFL. Freaking Scotty Miller, who I don't know the hell is going to cover Scotty Miller. Oh, I uh, forgot about Scotty. Tyler Johnson. I forget Scotty. Howard. Brait. Grok. Uh, what yeah. the heck? Okay, I think we both agree. You no, know, the but they'll be all right. They'll be all right because the it's easy to confuse the Bucks quarterback. He has trouble reading defenses oh and processing God. things oh, and God. delivering the ball accurately. He really struggles with that. The best possible <laughs> case, I think we agree, is that the Dallas offense just which I don't yeah. think is impossible. I want to be clear. Like we made a big deal about Zach Martin, but like I don't think it's impossible that the Dallas offense has so m- they also have a, a ridiculous group of weapons and I think they have a good offensive coordinator and if Dak is healthy like they can keep up hypothetically. I saw um in this piece that in this piece that I was right that I was that I'm writing, I was just looking at the stats from last year and again it's only the four games but in those four games, they were the Cowboys were worst in the league for um, starting field position. And they had the 31st, second to worst defense in the league, but somehow managed to have the third highest scoring offense. Like <laughs> to me, that's incredible. So then I looked at the rest of the other scoring offenses during that period, and all of the top five had single digit starting field position. So, like, and again, your point is a good one. It wasn't just those four games. They were incredible on offense the year before. So, like, we didn't see them play a lot of offense last year once Dak got hurt. 
So the hope is that he can pick up where he left off throwing for 422 yards a game because he's going to They were actually it. more efficient in 2019 than in, I mean, obviously they were in a yeah. an insane position yep. in 2020 because they were like having to score 40 points and do wild stuff. But I'm excited to watch the Dallas offense. I'll say that. Yeah, um, me too. I'm not excited to watch the other side of the ball. I also feel like we're not going to learn anything about the Bucks offense yeah. in the same, like in that Bama Miami kind of way. Anyways, okay. <laughs> I don't know. If, hey, listen, Dallas fans, you know I love you. You know I'm a big Dak supporter. If they pull off this upset, please take all of this noise of me. Aggregate the hell out of me. Shame me into oblivion for not believing in the Cowboys defense. <laughs> I would love I would love nothing more than that outcome. Oh, my gosh. They got to switch Micah Parsons' number before the game to confuse Tom Brady. Do we agree on that? <laughs> yes. That's, take, take, cover that's up one of those ones. He, you know, the single they did is what gets him. But don't they have I I they don't isn't their mascot like a cowboy with the number one jersey? Has anybody else ever worn a number one? I feel like when your mascot wears the number, you can't also put it on the field. It's like disrespectful to that player, <laughs> or is it disrespectful to the mascot? Uh, Rowdy is his name. That's his name. Rowdy. He's like a silly cowboy man. <laughs> He's got oh, I, ugh. No, he wears double Rowdy, zero. Rowdy's got Rowdy wears Rowdy, double zero. Oh, he was double zero. zero. Okay. Whew. Rowdy, got, I'm sure he's got some history. We better not look at Rowdy's old Rowdy's tweets. He's got a permanent smile. It's actually kind of terrifying, which is not never a good look when you're getting your butts kicked. When your mascot is smiling, it's like take that smile off your face. All right, enough, enough. Um, let's talk Browns cheese next. I at, in my preparation for this game, I became more excited about it. Even though I think the Chiefs are extremely good, and I have them in the Bucks on that dominant tier. Um. This to me, I feel like, let me look at the line, actually. I'm curious to see what it is because I, I feel like, okay, it's it's Chiefs 6. Oh. I could see this game being weirdly close. Am I wrong? No, no, not at all. I mean, the Chiefs have have holes. The, yes. It's just that they have, um, I don't know what to call Patrick The eraser Mahomes. is what I call him. Yeah. Okay. They have the eraser. So, like, their defense, I was looking at the roster. Uh, I don't love it. <laughs> like there are holes on the defense fortunately they have some good pass rushers and they always are playing with the lead so that makes things easier but they got some holes over there that can be exploited the offensive side of the ball they revamped the offensive line so that's going to help and traded for Orlando Brown so they have a legitimate left tackle now and hmm. so that that's protecting Patrick Mahomes is what it all comes down to but the way that the Cowboys, we talked about the Cowboys, the way that the Cowboys are going to have to win, it's not going to be as bad for the Chiefs, but that's kind of how the Chiefs, to me, are going to have to win throughout the course of the season is outscore everybody, which they kind of can because they have the eraser. Do you think that this new look Browns defense, it's truly new look, by the way, like um, Greg Newsom is starting. Uh, yes. Unless, yes. <laughs> so they are, they are in. I, I think... Awusu Koromoa is going to be on the field. Love him. At, at, you know, situationally. Um, and then, of course, up front, you've got Clowney in the mix now with Garrett. Mm -hmm. um, and some uh, d defensive tackle is a bit of a question mark. But in any case, do you think their approach will be to play the Chiefs the way most defenses did in the back or much of last season, which was just, you know, too high, keep everything in front of them, pray that they run the ball? Um. As opposed to what? <laughs> What's the other approach? Like, um, well, put yes, your guys right, in yeah. man coverage which, with um, Tyreek Hill and... Yeah, you can't do and, that. Um, 
Yeah, that that's not gonna work. Can't play I mean, single you could eye against Tyreek either. Yeah. You, so yeah, that's the that's the tough thing is is you can get away with it sparingly, but you can't go to it every snap because like physically it's not possible to actually cover those guys. And you would think that maybe you can cover some of them by pressing them and buying your, your rush some time or blitzing. But the problem is Tyreek Hill's numbers are astronomical against off coverage. Then you look at him against press coverage and you are reminded that <laughs> those numbers that you saw before against off coverage are not astronomical. He <laughs> really kills press coverage in a way that doesn't seem fair. And it's not as if he's the only receiver that's threatening. I mean, Travis Kelsey, arguably the best tight end in the league. And yeah, so I don't know. We're saying things that everybody already knows about this team because we've all seen it so many times. So like, I feel like I'm wasting people's time. I, I at really, this point. I, I'm putting you in a bad spot. Cause in the first segment I was like, so you've got the Cowboys defense. How do you stop the bucks? And now I'm like, how do you stop the chiefs? Like, this is not, if these were easy questions, okay, you and I, yes. I mean, wouldn't you be having this right. conversation? Um, I'm interested in watching the Browns defense though, not just cause it's new oh, yeah. people, but so their defensive coordinator is Joe Woods who comes from San Francisco, which by the way, interesting so he he was a passing game coordinator on defense i don't know what you call that but um he coordinated the de- passing defense and also you know coached the dbs and i don't think what we saw from him last year is indicative of the kind of defense he wants to run like they were just trying to get by yeah. basically with the corners they had mm-hmm. played a ton of quarters um didn't blitz that much i i think this year it could be pretty different with the talent that they have on their roster um i think you are going to see a little bit more man maybe not against the chiefs but you know um right to me you know with mahomes it's always about containment (laughs) more than anything um and yeah i think like you know every time they run the ball it is a win frankly one thing that was interesting last year was with the rpos and the chiefs you saw defenses kind of being like, yeah, please, yeah, like, right, 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 hand it off, hand it off, hand it off, like, which I think is correct. Um, I will be interested to see how the Chiefs respond with their run game. You know, like, right. Edward Zillaire kind of like never really yeah. got off the ground. And some of that was him. A lot of it was the run blocking. As you mentioned, they've got now a new offensive line. It'll be interesting to me if it looks different as everyone expects. I think the NFL figured out Patrick Mahomes. Damn. Yep, they that. got him. They got him. They cracked the code. Now, I mean, there's nothing interesting about the Chiefs, unfortunately. How the most exciting offenses in the league is there's nothing interesting about them. But there is nothing interesting about them to me. Like, I know what to expect from them. There's no reason to believe that we're not going to get it. There's no substantial changes uh, to the offensive side of the ball except for positive ones. The defensive side of the ball, I think there are some major question marks. But the most interesting stuff is is can the um, – the Browns defense live up to the talent that they have. Like that's, I love uh, Usu Koromoa as a, just a incredible kind of wild card talent that they added to that team. And then they're just names everywhere. John Johnson is one of the better safeties in the league and Troy Hill, a legitimate nickelback, like a really good top tier yeah. nickelback that was with the Rams before. There's no real, you mentioned that defensive tackle is the, is kind of, the weakest point but like there really is no real weak point on this defense so they the that's the question there and then the other side is is baker mayfield i think baker mayfield is is primed to have a really good season this year with the return of odell beckham jr so those are the questions can baker take take another step uh and can this defense coalesce so 
One quick note before we get to the other side of the ball. Um, you mentioned John Johnson, who I've you know been on the John Johnson is underrated train for years. But the Chiefs, the Browns rather oh, yeah. have like three viable safeties uh, between him, mm-hmm. Ronnie Harrison, who played reasonably well last year, especially compared to the other safeties, and then uh, Grant Delpit, who's coming back. And right. last checked, think he's expected take a long to one play. to the Chiefs. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I feel like they're going to play a lot of dime. Um, mm-hmm. And Cormoa, I mean, I don't know. You know, Kelsey's a pretty tough assignment for week one, but yeah. he can at least help in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, I think you could actually, this is actually pretty similar it's not – It's well, actually, let me rephrase that. I was going to say it's similar to Dallas in that, like, you know, the offense is – it's not similar in that, like, the offense is dominant. It's similar in that the offense is good, and I don't think the Chiefs – I think the Chiefs defense, as you said, has a lot of problems. Um, yeah. Like, there's definitely a universe in which the Browns' offense can keep up because, yeah, I mean, look at the, the Chiefs' secondary, like, cornerback. Yep. not great. Rah. Yeah. Yeah, they're starting Mike Hughes, right? Who was the first round pick for the Vikings, and yeah, and uh, On the outside. they didn't like him there, so <laughs> he's yeah now uh, here. And then there's like Sorensen, who I think they tried to they tried to draft Sorensen out of the starting lineup and make him a special teams player a few years back, and now he's starting again, and he is a crafty player but he's not somebody that you want to catch in in coverage or that you want to put in coverage in any way all right skipping over the fact that you just called the white safety crafty which... what i mean what else am i supposed to do <laughs> is, he, is he gritty too Sneaky by the pass. way can we talk about troy apke did that, has that come up on hq at all the the first white cornerback no. since uh nope I'm, I'm repeating that uh, like it's an Seahorn? actual stat that I didn't check at all. I just saw it on like NFL it memes. Don't, you don't and... have to check it. You don't have to check it. It's an actual <laughs> fact. <laughs> uh, I'm part of the problem. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Sorensen, th- 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 that's an issue that's tied up with like Juan Thornhill, who they drafted oh, yeah. and was really good as a rookie and then got hurt. And last year it was kind of like Here's mixed. Yeah. So th- they really, I think... The, I, I would argue he's kind of like the X factor on this Chiefs defense because mm-hmm. if he can play, if he can be that center fielder, then Tyron Matthew can roam and do Tyron Matthew things, covers up some of the issues at cornerback. Like, Legereus Sneed is very good as well, but he's their nickel. It's really just outside. And then up front, um, so Chris Jones is now an edge rusher, which yep. looks terrifying based on the preseason. Uh, <laughs> with the... You know, so Jaron Reed, after all, like the weirdness in his release from Seattle is going to be on the inside. So he pushed him out. It could be good. Obviously, Frank Clark, you know, they want more from. But I don't know. I just kind of this is a pass rush that's been sort of underwhelming when they're not blitzing. And I have yet I'm not convinced. And I also think especially this, you know, dominant Browns offensive line, which is like the best in the NFL, should be able to handle it. Yeah, I mean, blitzing is something that you cannot live off of or build your defense around unless you have a lot of coverage guys, like really good coverage guys. They don't have that. Um, And so it's going to be a kind of a possession for possession if they get into a situation where they feel like they have to blitz to create pressure or blitz to create havoc on the uh, against the opponents. Then it's going to be like, can we score more possessions than than uh, your offense can score? And 
the given amount of possessions. And I think the Chiefs feel confident that their offense can do that. So I think there's a flexibility of, that it gives the defense is probably pretty nice. Like the pressure's off. Like I, I can be aggressive. I can take chances because we know on the other side of the ball, we're not going to have trouble. Like they're going to put up 35 points most times. So that's nice. And you can force other teams into being one dimensional, but you can't do anything for the fact that you just don't have the talent that you think you need. And your p- point about Thornhill is um, is great because not only is he a great center fielder, but he's capable in man coverage. So you can uh, you can allow, like you mentioned, um, Tyron to roam a bit, and you can also feel comfortable blitzing the nickel or blitzing mm. inside guys because you trust that Thornhill can cover that. That's not something that that Sorensen can do uh, confident or yeah competently enough i would think that the defensive coordinator would feel good doing it craftily though he can do it craftily oh um, yeah, he's gonna find some crafty ways to get it done <laughs> sneed can yeah they, blitzing sneed is always good i i they also have deandre baker which is kind of wild who you know yeah. had that whole issue with the giants and was a first round draft pick maybe there's a bit of a reclamation project there yeah it was interesting they drafted nick bolton who's a linebacker and you know, like they Willie Gay Jr. was like pretty good last, last year. And I think he's kind of like a making the leap guy. That's a position that they've struggled with now for a few years. But it, it was interesting to me that they didn't focus, like they didn't target the secondary instead. Um, you said that the Browns, you expect the Browns offense to be really good and Baker to succeed. So just tell me why. Yeah, I mean, I think that the offense is a simple offense from a quarterback standpoint. And Baker is though his accuracy numbers haven't been great, he still has incredibly accurate, incredibly strong arm. I think with the running attack, it's not going to get any worse. Simplified, adding Odell Beckham Jr., I think allowing Baker Mayfield to have clear, specific reads, I don't think he can fail in that way. When you ask, when Baker struggles, I think is when you ask him to drop back and take over. Uh, And as long as they don't get in that situation, if his defense is good enough for the course of the season to to make other offenses work and this running game is as good as we expect it to be. Uh, I think Baker will, there'll be little pressure on Baker. Like he's going to put up big numbers, I think in the first half, first down play actions and those sorts of things. And hopefully for their sake, they don't get in a ton of situations where he has to make some big two score comeback in the fourth quarter. Like that's hard for any quarterback. Uh, And so I think Baker is like that, second to top tier like just below the top tier which is really great like it's not most franchises don't have that and and they have a starting quarterback there which is more than they've had there in a long time so I think he's going to succeed it's a year where he's going to be playing for his contract extension I expect that he's going to put up some impressive numbers and that the Browns will be pretty good yeah I agree I just don't like see why the offense would be worse, frankly. I mean, that sounds simplistic, but, yeah. you know, I, I mean, guess... The only argument is that people think Odell Beckham's presence somehow <laughs> is, is like a distracting and confusing. Nugget. and Yeah, I just don't think that. I I, I mean, I, I, I just don't think so. I think it's a deep receiving group now. I think Austin Hooper should be better, frankly, based on past performance. Um, and then even behind him, that's a pretty deep tight end group. It's a very deep running group. It's probably the best group of backs in the league. You know, even behind Chubb and Hunt, you've got Ernest Johnson and Demetric Felton. Um, and then the I, I guess to me, the only issue would be if if there was an injury on the offensive line, right? But as far as this particular matchup goes, even if Chris Jones, you know, makes some big disruptive plays and 
the linebackers are better. I still think from a talent perspective, the Browns outmatch them. Um, to me, just the question is like, can they keep up? Because it's one thing to outmatch them. It's another to keep pace, right, with Kansas City year after year. And I think, I, I don't know. I, I I think I'm still like, I think Kansas City should win this, but I would not be surprised if it's very close. Yeah, I agree. And I, the thing about Kansas City, and anytime you have a great team that's great year after year for, what is it, three years now for them? Mm. And I guess four, if you go back to Alex Smith, they were pretty good then too. I think it's hard for those players, not only for the players, but for every week, the coaches to like be on the top of their game for game planning and preparation because their eyes are on the playoffs. But when it's the season opener, when it's a primetime game, if you think back to the times when the Chiefs struggled, it's rarely in those situations. Obviously, the Super Bowl, they were outmatched on the on the line. But every other time they were in those kind of big time games that we all showed up to watch. Mm. They did their thing. And I think it's it's easier when you know you're getting ready for like those big game season openers, eight o'clock Thursday, Thursday. I mean, this one's not eight o'clock, but throughout the season, you get a Monday night, you get a Thursday night, you get a playoff game like those games. You seem to get the best Chiefs when they struggle is when it's like a it's weird. three o'clock when, game in, so, in uh, no, no, San no, Diego. You're, or something. you're totally right. Like sometimes they're they're like a cat playing with their food where you're like, mm-hmm. OK, just eat it. Like <laughs> and then all of a sudden I, I was thinking about this in the when, you know, Mahomes like really played the entire preseason. There were in, in the first his first two outings or one outing, I remember. But anyways. He look. They look kind of disjuncted, disjuncted, out of whack. Oh, I like it. Added to the dictionary. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's. Anyways, like you know, him and Hardman, their chemistry is really off, and they was forcing the ball to him. And all of a sudden, in week three, they're like, turn it on, fully operational battle station, and it was like, oh shit, oh no. Like I, I just think that's my only question with Kansas City. It's like, oh, are you going to do like cute stuff? You know, or are you going to yeah, just right. do you know your thing? Um. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break and let's talk about two more games that I think are very interesting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, so Green Bay and New Orleans are playing in Jacksonville, Um, which is a crazy sentence, obviously because of what happened with the Saints and the hurricane. Um, I want to start with the Green Bay offense. Dominique, are we underrating the fact that there are two rookies starting on this offensive line and a guard playing left tackle? <laughs> um, by we, who are you talking about? Society. Because I am not underestimating. We as a society. <laughs> yes, yes. Our entire society is probably underestimating it because it, it did not lead Good Morning America this morning, which it should have. <laughs> It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I I talked about this um, immediately after the Super Bowl last year. Is I remember picking the uh, the Eagles to beat the Patriots in that Super Bowl, and like I was kind of alone on that. And I said it was because they had better line play, mm-hmm. and when the line play disparity is is as big as I thought it was in that game, that's what happens. But then. I got high on Patrick Mahomes so high that I forgot things that I know to be true about football. And like, I saw the disparity in the line play and I was like, nah, I'm going to keep smoking this Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) And then we saw what happened. So like, I think that that still applies in, uh, in this situation, I guess that's, it's one of those truisms in football that you have to kind of accept, even though it's not, uh, something that you spend a lot of time talking about or thinking about is like, if the offensive line is not good, it don't matter how good your quarterback is. And I guess the, the difference here is we don't know how good this Packers offensive line yes. is. We know that it's not as good as it can be, but maybe these guys are going to come together and do something special. But you should, be, uh, you should be concerned. It's a thing. But there's, I think some of our belief or I guess lack of concern about it, again, we as a society – comes from a couple things. One, they didn't play in their starters in the preseason. So it wasn't like we saw Aaron Rodgers being chased around, you know, by like uh, Trevor Lawrence or whatever behind these rookies. Mm. The other thing is like the Packers now have a very good recent record of finding, drafting, developing offensive linemen. Elton Jenkins, who's playing left tackle now, (laughs) is exhibit A. Like he's awesome. I don't know if he can play. I assume he can play left tackle well because the Packers think so. But Wow, right? And then, so Josh Myers and Royce Newman are the other rookies. Like, Royce Newman was a, a fourth-round draft pick this year. I I'm, I didn't know he was starting at right guard until a Packers writer told me. So I, I bring that up because otherwise I think, like, you know, they, they do have a ton of advantages. However, like, my other takeaway from the preseason was that the Saints have some dudes up front. And, like, Marcus Davenport – was probably one of the three defensive players who impressed me the most in the preseason. Again, it's the preseason and he was like playing the Jags backups and this is really stupid probably, but you know, he's, he's always had that talent. Um, So Marcus Davenport against a guy who's never played left tackle is an interesting proposition. Uh, Cam Jordan is still there. They're, they have their own rookie Peyton Turner, who we haven't seen. Like, I think if the saints have a chance of staying in this thing, it's going to start, up front and they have a really good linebacking group because in the back 
Dominique, do you know who is starting at corner opposite Marshawn Lattimore? Um, I should because I just looked at the roster. You know, before we you did shouldn't this, but... because they don't know. It hasn't come out. So I, that was a trick. <laughs> that was a trap. I texted our Saints writer and asked. He thinks it's Ken Crawley. That was of Monday. Um, it's it's a problem, and you know Aaron Rodgers is is very aware of that problem. <laughs> so you said for them to have a shot. So are you saying that you don't think that the Saints, the uh, the Jameis Winston? No, I do. I meant and the Saints. defense stopping. No, I meant specifically stopping oh, gotcha. the, the yeah. Packers offense. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean you're, you're right. The D line they they potentially have an advantage there with the D line. Um, the thing about having one corner that you can trust, and boy, do the do the Packers have that in Jair Alexander? But we're talking about the Saints right now. The, the The thing about having one corner you can trust is it really allows you, and not just trust, but like you can really, really trust. It allows you to help out other guys. So whoever they end up starting mm-hmm. over there, maybe they will be smart or uh, strategic enough to lean safeties in that direction and help them out, take some pressure off there and kind of dare Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's the problem is you can't dare Aaron Rodgers to well, do anything because he's good enough to, to even beat Marshawn. Yeah, also, do you really trust Lattimore against Devontae Adams? <laughs> no, you don't trust anybody. So that's the move. You go with the old Belichick move is you put Lattimore on the other guy and you double ah, Devontae Adams. Yes. <laughs> but do you think that your number two corner is good enough to – to play good underneath co- coverage and and not have any holes because Aaron Rodgers, as he displayed during the preseason and many drills, and as he displayed throughout his entire career, can throw a football through a keyhole. So the coverage has to be such that, I, I mean, it's, it's a level of coverage that I don't think is possible, yeah. especially from uh, a team that doesn't know who their number two corner is going to be. So they're, they're going to be in a tough spot unless they get pressure. It's all about pressure, I think. Because even we just talk about Jair Alexander for one second. Okay, so opening the kimono a little bit. Dominique texted me a picture of Jair Alexander right before this podcast. A headshot. It was really caught me off guard. I was stunned. (laughs) He he looked like an R and B singer. Like I, I I was like, dude is Um, cute and also incredible. And poor guy stuck in Green Bay. Well, this, this, is like actually, like this is actually a great segue because it's basically the, the exact same thing on the other side of the ball, right? Like, I mean, Jair Alexander yeah. is better they, than Marshawn they Lattimore. Kevin King back. Oh, God. I just, I, uh, did, I just knew that it was over for him after that championship game. Uh, oh, you know what? I said the Cowboys were last in the NFL versus number two wide receivers. I, Green Bay was 24th. So, um, <laughs> If we we also know what where the Saints are going to be going in this game, yes. this is a uh, yeah, it's yeah. So Eric Stokes is not it's Kevin King. So who, by the way, he's not as bad as he was in that last game. No, but if Jair Alexander is on the field, you're not you're staying away from Jair Alexander. Yes. Um, yes. How 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 on a scale of one through ten, how much do you believe in the Jameis experiment? I think I want to believe in it more than I actually believe in it. So be honest. So like, tell the, tell, yeah, speak think, from your heart. Yeah. I think that Jameis is so incredibly tantalizing from a talent standpoint. And also like, he's incredibly smart when it comes to football. 
doesn't seem well. We'll, we'll leave all the other things, <laughs> evaluations of Jameis' intelligence and personality out of this. But as a football player, like he's incredibly smart. But then he just does some incredibly dumb things, and I don't have any precedent for quarterbacks or players in general who have played in the league for as long as he has and have not shaken the dumb thing, dumb decisions just to completely remove them or minimize them to a level that they are not catastrophic. I just, I just don't see it happening that much if I'm like being honest, but when you see Jameis, like Jameis makes throws that that very few people can throw and he can can make and he does it routinely, but he also routinely makes decisions that we're just like, what? Did you not see him? Or like, is it, did you not understand what's going on? And then he just processes everything so quickly the next time he's out on the field you know, and he has the cornerback's memory. Have I just you seen don't that uh, scene in Hereditary where the mom screams, "Why can't you be normal?" That's what you sound like right now. <laughs> I've obviously never seen Hereditary. I've only seen that clip. I was about to say. You, it's a great a scary movie. Yeah, of course. I <laughs> Even the Wikipedia is haunting for Hereditary. Have you, you haven't seen it, right? It's one no, of the worst I've like ever movies. read. Okay, I, I want to, oh. I'm going to send you the Wikipedia for Hereditary after this. Thanks. Um, so I think the, the obviously the optimistic case for Jameis in this particular game is that he looks like he did in, you know, the Jags game, the preseason. Um, and also that a lot of the turnovers were born of desperation either real or not real <laughs> last year or in his uh, Tampa Bay career and yeah. the biggest advantage that New Orleans has in this game uh is their offensive line they compared to Green Bay rather like they have a better offensive right. line Jameis is playing behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL which is not to say by the way that the Bucks offensive line was that bad when he was there but this is a very very good offensive line um, so I think we'll kind of see pretty quickly how his decision-making is impacted by that because the, but the, the, the Packers have a good pass rush. Um, to me, like, oh, the, the other advantage I think is New Orleans rushing attack in particular, like, you know, like this has been the problem in Green Bay for a while, stopping the run. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. been an issue. They were 20th in EPA versus rushing last year, 12th versus passing. Um, so I, like we haven't seen, I feel like Camara's kind of flown under the radar this preseason amidst the quarterback battle. And yeah. to me, this is, this has the ingredients to be a pretty big Camara game. And Jameis just needs to not like, you know, take advantage of those special plays. If Marcos Callaway breaks downfield or whoever they've got against, you know, Kevin King, whatever. But I feel like, Camara behind the Saints offensive line versus Green Bay is probably where you want to go. Yeah. I mean, poor Camara. He's <laughs> like last year, he ran all the running plays and caught all the passes and just carried the entire load of the offense. It felt like most of it. And then he finally gets a quarterback that has a, a real arm and go downfield. And the recipe, once again, is. Get it to him as many pos- as many times as possible in as many situations as possible. That can't be what he was expected of this season. I I'm going to pick the Packers. Wow, it's close. 
Oh, it opened at one and a half. It's three now. Still close. I think that's a little bit of that. Where is um, it? It's three right now. Green Bay by three. And um, where are they playing? In Jacksonville. (laughs) It's weird. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I think that that is a little bit of ever, people riding the high of that Jameis Callaway game and not having seen Aaron Rodgers in a long time. Um, I I am very, I, I, I think I, let me put it this way. I'm very curious to me, the most interesting matchup in this game in particular, like as it pertains to like the ramifications for beyond the regular season in the playoffs and whatever is what does this green Bay offensive line look like? I mean, they'll get Bakhtiari back, but I want to see, how they all hold up, how these rookies look. Um, you know, the Saints not having Anyamata is big. I probably should have mentioned that. He's out six games, and that's a big... So they have a real problem on the inside, but it's a good pass rush, and they've got really good linebackers. So, yeah, the Saints, like, I, I've been saying this over... Like, the Saints defense is really, really good. They're just really, really thin. <laughs> so, yeah. it's week one. They're, they're available. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's wrap with a game that I think is the hardest to predict of the four that we've discussed. And that is Miami at new England. Why does new England? I feel like every game is always at new England. The Patriots literally never go on the road. They play all their games at home. Have we ever seen them on the road? Never. It's never happened. I don't think so. I think you're right. Okay. I want to start here. I'm Roger apologizing for deflate gate. I want to vent. Go for it. Dolphin Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) He's <laughs> so angry with me because of one segment uh, on NFL Live last year when I said Ryan Fitzpatrick should be playing because of the bad offensive line, even though I like Tua. I was right. Now, <laughs> you're mad at me again, even though I have repeatedly said Tua looked really good in the preseason. In fact, I'm really, I, I was like, ooh, yeah, Tua, like very exciting. However, the offensive line is still bad. And they're taking this as Tua criticism it's a Tua defense because Mac Jones, like this is this game is going to be a referendum on these two quarterbacks, and it should not be because Mac Jones gets to play behind the Great Wall of China. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't even know if Austin Jackson is playing, and I don't even know if it matters. I I mean, let's let's start there. Offense. Like this, yeah. The offensive line <laughs> is a problem. It is a problem, and that is a fair defense. So, first of all, let's make it clear that the best um, Tagovailoa quarterback plays for Maryland. God. I mean, clearly. But moving, moving on. Uh, I, I mean, I to my Dolphins Twitter is an interesting place. Why are you so mad? You can't. At I mean, they get mad at every, at everybody. So I think mad. That, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't explain their anger. They got other things to worry about in South Florida. But you live in Miami. They should. Oh, I guess. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's okay. not it's not the safest place right now. So they're probably all in their houses angrily looking at Twitter, looking for somebody to yell at. But, I mean, Tua did not lose his ability to play quarterback. Um, he had a rough year last year for a number of reasons. A lot of those things have been corrected, but the most important one has not been the protection has not been corrected. So I think you're right about it's it's tough to evaluate a quarterback behind a bad offensive line. But the fact of the matter is we kind of have done it and been right most of the time. You know, like we we find certain quarterbacks that, I mean, like Joe Burrow last year. The offensive line wasn't good, but we were like, oh, okay. And Tua didn't show the flashes 
that people want. You know, like those, that's all you want is like, all right, we see that there's a problem with the offensive line. We see that you don't have the ability to do exactly what you want to do, get through all your reads, make all your decisions without being under pressure consistently. But in the chances that you, you, when you do get chances to do that, you need to do that. And it didn't feel like he was doing that at all uh, last year. And then you have the, the unfortunate situation of having to be compared to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who and Justin like Herbert. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and Justin Herbert, and yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick is like a, a a dice shooter who got a hot hand, and like his hand was hot <laughs> last year, and then people were looking at Tua like, why can't you do that? And he's like, because I'm not willing to close my eyes and throw the ball up. And so <laughs> I, I respect to his ability and I respect him for not doing that, but he's in a tough spot because it doesn't matter if there's a reason, if there's an explanation, if the, mm. this team is built to win and they had so many weapons and their defense is strong and they're a defensive minded team, at least from the head coach. So like, if it doesn't happen this year, it's going to come down on him. And there are already so many rumors about them trying to make a, a change to that spot. So mm. it's going to be tough, yes. and I wish that it were different, but that's the way it is. He's going to have to at least show some flashes in order for him to be able – or in order for us to be able to plausibly point the finger at at some other unit. Like, he's going to have to show flashes of greatness well, when he gets a chance. We should know last year, too, like, the, you know, a lot of those games, he didn't have uh, anywhere close to a full complement of weapons, right? And right. so now, as you mentioned, they've got um, a really fun group. Although Will Fuller is out – uh, with the suspension this game. But, you know, you got Waddle, you got Parker, you got Mike Gesicki. Gesicki I love Gesicki. Gesicki. I would, Gesicki, yeah. Yeah, I, I love him too. I see a G. Uh, you don't have Adam Shaheen, who, uh, I'm trying to find the right word for this. Well, so he and Austin Jackson were both on the COVID list. Shaheen was the one who, I think his, like, Twitter bio was like, I won't follow the rules or something. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, that, them's the breaks. Um, well, that, that's the thing with Jackson, though, because I, I think Jackson is vaccinated, so it's, like, unclear if he's going to make it. Uh, and also, like, so it's uh, I should mention Greg Little they traded for. They also drafted Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame. He played left tackle there. I don't know. But what I liked from Tuba in the preseason was that he kind of looked like he did in Alabama. Like, it wasn't as easy, obviously, but you saw the qualities that made us like him in college. The accuracy, obviously, above all things. Um the timing, the pocket movement, and, you know, a little bit more aggression, which is really what was lacking last season. Um, I also think just schematically, it looked a little bit more like Alabama in terms of getting yak opportunities for the wide receivers, the RPO game, et cetera. So I'm generally optimistic about everything outside of the offensive line. My concern is that I also think the Patriots front seven is a nightmare. Uh, yeah. So we should talk about that. I mean, it's just. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna look <laughs> even more <laughs> after this game, unfortunately. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, the <laughs> weakness of the Patriots' defense is that Stephon Gilmore's out, but I don't know if yeah. that. I mean, it's Jalen Mills I mean, running in his absence, but the front seven is just loaded now. They're deep. JC Jackson, go Terps. He's okay. Yeah, he's good. No, but I mean, are you are you disgusted by my newfound love for? Yeah, it's my actually, alma mater? it's actually, it's, it's kind of off putting. Yeah. 
I know yeah, it is. Bit, you don't like it? Well, it's just like out of nowhere. Like, what if all of nowhere I'd be yeah. like, oh, Nam Gun Su, go Huskers, even though that'd be like the saddest thing in the world to say yeah, right now. Me, that. Yeah. That, <laughs> anyways, okay. Well, um, I haven't been pa- excited about my Terps in a while. I'm excited. All right. I'm sorry. Pa- Patriots on. front seven. I mean, you and I, it's funny. We did that um, defensive ranking. I think that was the last time we podcasted together. And you and I were both like, this defense could be good, but we don't know. I feel like I'm drinking the preseason Kool-Aid of seeing Matt Judon in his single-digit number looking like a world wrecker and seeing Hightower back, seeing Uche be like a maniac on every play, and I'm all in. I'm all in on this group. Yeah, I mean, I think the Patriots' defensive success is something that we uh, always come to expect because they've I mean, they've always been, or at least the, the foundation of this dynasty has been great defense. And it's always been kind of something that was a cornerstone of what they've done. But also, it's always kind of been built around great coverage, or at least one great coverage guy. When their coverage guy, when their defenses were at their very best, they had guys who was going to shut something down. So I guess it puts more pressure on, on Belichick to scheme other ways to stop people's offensive attacks, because I think that's, obviously he's smart enough to figure it out. But I think that is going to be interesting because all that front seven stuff is nice and they've they've had good front seven guys in the past, but that's always been a place where they've, or it felt like to me, with the exception of guys like Hightower, it's been a place where they kind of cycled like edge rushers and interior guys. The place where they put the true pressure on their defense and they did the most interesting things were always in the secondary. And if that's the weak point of their defense, I'm not sure how Bill Belichick, um, I'm not sure how comfortable Belichick is in uh, building a defense that's not built around having trustworthy cover guys. That's a great point. And I think like we won't really see it the first two weeks because they play the Dolphins and the Jets with all due respect to the Jets. But I'm I'm talking specifically about the offensive lines, right? But in weeks three and four, well, the Jets offensive line should be better. But point is, they're not obviously not one of the better groups in the NFL. Weeks three and four, they got the Saints and the Bucks. And that's where all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, snap. (laughs) You know, like... Mm -hmm. Uh, where you're playing or the the stuff you're talking about kind of comes into play. Um, They're not terrible either though. Like it's not like we talked about some teams that have some real bad coverage situations. No, it's everything but Jalen Mills is good. (laughs) Like the whole, the group is good. We're like, and I don't even think Jalen Mills is I just mean they don't have the one guy. They don't have the one guy like they had Revis for that spell and, and they had Asante Samuel back in the day. And obviously Gilmore in more recent days, like they, it always seemed like there was one guy where we were like, all right, that's the dude. They don't have him. God, imagine if they had drafted Asante Samuel Jr. I feel like it would have been a real. Ooh, he's cold. I love him and I love Sertan Jr. My God. I watched I some of those all the, preseason all these, games. I hate how they're all really smart because it's such a cliche to be like, he looks like he grew up around the game, but they do look like they grew up around the game. Like they obviously <laughs> grew like, up around the game. It's it's so frustrating and also it makes you happy because it's like you ever meet somebody who's like, a, oh, this is perfect. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, clearly yeah, a product right, of yeah. nepotism. Like he is Mr. Nepotism, but he also like great. benefited from it. Like he got the jobs and got the opportunities because of who he was. But when he was there, he was learning and getting better. So he has like the mind of like a 50 year old coach when he is yes. or 60 year old coach when he's so much younger. And it's the same of these young corners. Like paternal that, privilege. 
<laughs> that's that's the right terminology for it. I like it. The things that I started to pick up at the final years of my career, like they've been doing since the eighth grade and they've moved on to like graduate level stuff and they're just rookies. So speaking of rookies, McCorkle had a great preseason. However, didn't get to play defense like this. Although yeah, the Giants actually kind of gave it to a little bit. Did you watch week three? Hello? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I got to put you on the spot there. Okay. My, no, I mean, my, I, I watched some. I didn't watch all of the games. Okay. I watched you, Mina. Like, so you, he, you uh, got into no, this stuff No, I only watched it because I knew we'd have to talk it. about it nonstop because it's the Patriots. Uh-huh. So, anyways. Um, point is, Mac looked really, really great. He also Oh, against the Giants. Yes, I watched. I didn't yeah, watch yeah. that game. Okay, so you saw okay. him holding yeah. on to the football a little bit. Because, right. you know, a little, little bit of confusion there. A little bit of confusion. Uh, Giants have very good secondary. So now here comes Miami, a defense that is known to confuse a quarterback or two and also has a very good secondary. I think that it's still, I, I think Mac looked great in the preseason. I think this is a really good situation for him. I think it's a very, very good offensive line. I also think this Dolphins defense could give him some problems. I mean, they should. He's a rookie quarterback in his first start, and they are a very talented defense. He should have some trouble. They also play a lot of man coverage, which I think mm-hmm. is based on what I have been able to learn about Mac Mac uh, Jones so far is that seems to be a little bit tougher for him. And honestly, it's tough for a lot of quarterbacks because Mac Jones' big question was, can he fit the ball into tight windows. He's shown that he's been able to do it, but uh, doing it throughout a few quarters in preseason is different than doing it throughout an entire game uh, against two of the best corners in the league. That's different, but zone is a little different where it feels like there are holes in zones. And if you are able to get a good pre-snap read or able to decipher uh, what coverage the team is in and make a quick decision, if you are good that way, which Mac Jones is absolutely is very good at making quick decisions, processing quickly, or at least getting a good pre-snap read. I noticed that in the preseason. Then the holes in the zone are holes. Like you can't mm. fill it in with like great athleticism. So man coverage is man coverage in that if the coverage is tight, it doesn't mean you can't complete the ball, but it's going to require a level of um, physical and not mental ability. I mean, it's still mental somewhat, but a level of physical ability and your accuracy and arm strength and timing uh, that is a little harder, I think. Some some of these yeah. quarterbacks, or a quarterback like Mac Jones in particular, who against zone, he was eating it up. And the decisions he was making, how quickly he was getting through it and and making the right decision, to me, was very impressive. But he's got a lot different of man. animal. He's got a lot of man all year because, yeah. hey, he's not gonna take off <laughs> the football no right yeah. um yeah. but you know b for the reason you describe and also c um the patriots while they're very good i think this offense right now is very geared towards finding mismatches with the tight ends mm-hmm. you know it's th- still not a receiving group that's gonna win yeah. right like yeah. the dolphins if i'm the, if i'm flores i'm looking at this group of patriot skill players and i'm thinking yeah we got this like yeah you know Xavier. Byron, I don't know if you yep. know them by their first names, uh, but uh, you know you yeah. take out take out these guys and yeah, Kendrick I think Bourne that's, and Nelson Aguilar had uh, a good year last year, but like Nelson Aguilar yeah. is not 
Yeah, you're right. And and they're going to see a lot of man coverage because they're going to run the hell out of the ball too. That as well. Yeah, so that up. was yeah, so. and that that is the other thing. Like I said about the offensive line, this is a potentially devastating run game, right? Like whew. uh whew, like uh, they're so good they didn't need Tony Michelle, who's not bad. <laughs> like the Rams yeah. traded a fourth for him, but Ramondre yeah. Stevenson looks like a monster. Um I saw one of those stats that's like incredibly skewed by sample size that he averaged like seven yards per carry or something in the preseason because he had had one long run but it looked like he averaged seven yards per carry um and then of course you know harris is bulldozer with legs so i think like we know what the pats want to do on offense and we kind of know what the dolphins want to do on defense this is a team that not only uh plays a lot of man but is very good at man by the way so to me i'm just kind of curious to see like this to me a lot of it will come down to coaching yeah I mean, if I'm I'm the Pats coming into this game, it's a lot of play action on first down and deep shots. Like I I'm trying because even though these guys mm-hmm. are great cover guy coverage guys, oftentimes you can get those type of great coverage guys who are, as you put it, kind of feel really comfortable about <laughs> their matchups. Like that's that's what I'm going. I'm gonna try to make them pay once because you're not going to. It's gonna be unlikely that you're going to be able to pick them apart down the field. And that also takes some of the mental stress off of Mac Jones. You play action, boot him, or just play action and keep him in the pocket. It's a one or two, maybe three receiver route, and you are attacking their man coverage and trying to either outrun or uh, or confuse their coverages and get a big play because that's – it's going to be more likely that you're to me, at least that you're going to get a 50 yard gain. than you're going to get 10 yes. or get five 10 I, yard gains. Matt looked good throwing the ball deep in the preseason too, but I mean, he looked good doing it at Absolutely. Alabama, but I mean, he doesn't have a cannon, but he will play. So will make the accurate deep throw. And it's going to be Nelson Aguilar instead of the uh, Christian Wilkerson. His name is, the guy who dropped it. And then uh, how hilarious is one. it that how hilarious is it that Mac Jones had, at least, I'm going to say at least three receivers in college that were better than all the receivers that he has on his team now. Alabama's just ridiculous. <laughs> how, how hilarious I'm is that three of those quarterbacks are now starting in this freaking league? <sighs> and this is, I mean, this is a great narratives game. You got Tua, Mac, Belichick, Flores. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. It's like not, it's not a revenge because they all seem to like each other, but, you know. All right. Uh, who are you leading? I, I'm I'm gonna, I, I'm leaning New England personally just because Bill Belichick and I think the defense is really good, but it's not a referendum on Tua Dolphins fans. Well, it's not up to you. You can say it's not a referendum on Tua <laughs> all you want, but I've it kind of is going to be. Like people are going to hang a lot on this. I think for yeah, Tua, it doesn't mean that the quarterbacks. I would also pick New England. So, boom, boom. That's actually a pretty good take. Oh, good take. Test it I out. Use that. I might drop that. All right. Anyways, how about you? Uh, I, yeah, I'm leaning New England with you. I want to. There's a rookie quarterback though. Yeah, that's true. I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? As always, let's wrap up with a few questions. Dinks and Dunks are part of ESPN Nation, brought to you by Dr Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Okay, Dominique, there are so many interesting games. Um, 
I'm going to do something that I didn't tell you I was going to do, and you're probably going to be upset. I'm just going to give you the line for four games, and I want you to tell me okay. uh, where you're at. Okay, let's start with, I think this is actually, I, I, I wanted to talk about this game. Currently, Washington is favored by one point against the LA Chargers. The game is in Washington. I want to lean Washington. I've been I've been kind of swayed a bit on how good Washington's defense is because I've I don't remember if it was a podcast or something that I read. People were talking about how they matched up against some really bad quarterbacks last year. The D line was still was crushing people. Um so I'm I'm kind of hesitant to give that defense as much love as I was giving them last year, but I'm gonna stick with them. I think Really? Washington we know uh, Derwin James really like playing in this game. <laughs> I don't know. He's if, back. He's back for at least for this game. Uh, it's on the road all the way across I want the him country. To be healthy. It's I know. Yeah, I think this I think it's reasonable one, right? to expect this is Washington a to win. One point game. This is really tough. Yeah. All right. Well, all you right. pick. I picked Washington. You're going to Chargers. I don't have to pick anything. It's my podcast. This is the Sam Darnold revenge game, Carolina. It's in Carolina is favored by five and a half points against the Jets. Yeah, I got to go Carolina there. Really? Um, well, the five and a half is is tough. I, I mean, I, I know I didn't go with the rookie quarterback with Mac Jones, but uh, I mean, I think the rookie quarterback thing matters to me, and not only the rookie quarterback thing. Like I think as the a Jets as defense. a roster, the Jets. Yeah, as a as, as an overall roster, they're they're better. They also are dealing with a rookie quarterback um, and a first-year head coach. And I, I respect Matt Rule and what they're doing down there. Uh, so I think they got the coaching advantage. They got the talent advantage. They got the experience advantage. Five points is a lot of points, but I still think I'm going to go with Carolina. Okay, here's a line. Are we that- gambling? I don't, I don't really bet. I want to get into bet. Let's start betting on stuff. All right, maybe – no, it is. It's legal now. That right? is where things are going. These days. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I All need right. to learn about that. Maybe if, we, if I turn this into a betting thing, it can be sponsored. <laughs> All right. Um, Get us some sponsors. This is this is the line I was surprised by. Denver is favored by. Uh, they're going to the New York to play the Giants. They're favored by three. I thought that was low. Yeah, Denver's roster is incredible. Denver's roster, Absurd. to me at least, it ranks up there with like like the Saints and the Browns and I guess the Bucks are the best roster in all of the league, like slightly behind the Bucks. Like they, with the exception of that quarterback position, which I think that they improved there with Teddy over Locke. Yeah, I think that roster is low. Like they could mess around and surprise some people. I, I think good, that three is low. The improvement or the, the guaranteed improvement is that Teddy did not try to trick the COVID <laughs> Uh, yeah. cops by what it, did you read that article the Denver quarterbacks you remember when they all got knocked out they tried to put their sensors in like corner four corners of the room Jesus, it's not worth the effort this is the classic the cover-up is worse than the crime situation Ridiculous. it's not worth the effort man just don't sit next to each other Ridiculous. And, right. I mean and I think Teddy's better for that team that's incredibly um loaded on defense while they have a lot of they have a lot of talented skill guys too on the offensive side of the ball like to me the recipe over there is like don't give your defense a short field. Like, get yeah. some field goals, get some touchdowns. But more than all, more than anything else, don't turn it over. Punt the ball and make people try to drive against you because you're going to create turnovers and create havoc. And Teddy more game. likely to do that than Locke. Sorry. Seattle's traveling traveling to Indy. 
Carson Wentz is playing. Seattle's favored by two and a half. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to pick against Seattle just because you like them, but I mean, it's it's hard for me to. I like Darius Leonard a great deal. I'm not sure what Wentz we're going to get. The one Wentz that everyone keeps going back to, calling him MVP Wentz, even though he didn't win the MVP that year, or the Wentz that we've seen in every other game of his life. You saying that. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't win MVP, but we all just talk about MVP Wentz. Who's MVP season? Uh, yeah, um, they went on the before without I him. Actually, so, I mean, I it's hard for me to... Sorry, I have a favor to ask you as it pertains to this game, which is that if Carson Wentz beats Seattle, can you take my place on NFL Live on Monday? Because <laughs> I don't want to be around Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> I feel like a friend would do that for a friend. Oh, probably, that's, that's You know I can't be around him. I can't look him in the eye. Well, if they beat him, I find it hard to believe that the reason why they're going to beat him is because Carson Wentz I know, but you know, you, you know oh. that doesn't matter, Dominique. You know that You're doesn't right. matter. You're right. You're right. right. Well, I mean, you only have to wait one week until that whole story changes. Last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Um, Lenny has heard you all day long saying on multiple (laughs) platforms, the Terps are back. And he just wants to know, how can you be back if you were never there? (laughs) Where did Lenny go to school? Did he have a how's his obedience school doing in dog drills? He was raised in the streets, you know it. (laughs) That's true. I forgot Lenny's from the hood. 